Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Matt D. Fothery, Lee Boyd, and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world. Welcome to another exciting, enthralling, interesting episode of FNO InsureTech. I am Rob Beller, one of your many hosts on this show, and I'm joined today by none other than the one, the only... Lee Boyd. That's him. Hi, everybody. That's him. Hi, Lee. How are you? You know, I'm great. You know what I did before this uh, podcast? Uh, no, I do not know that. I listened to some of our podcast. Yeah. And, yeah. And um, I don't I don't like listening to myself talk. <laughs> I'm not a, not a big fan of it. Well, I can speak for our audience and tell you they don't feel the same way. You know, I had read that nobody enjoys the sound of their voice. Uh, but then I thought about you, and you have a lovely voice, and I would imagine that that you don't mind your voice. Is that true? Uh, well, that's a funny thing. I've grown to be comfortable with it only because I hear it so much yeah. from listening to our podcast before they go out. Yeah. I listen to every podcast to make sure that everything's kosher. Right. And uh, so I've gotten used to it. But no, at first, um, it's like, that's not what I sound like. That's <laughs> what you want to say. Is that really what I sound like? Yeah. No, 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 no. I just hear Kermit the Frog when I talk, so. You, you know whose voice I would never recognize? No. Francois Quesnay. No, I would imagine it would have a French accent. It probably would, and he uh, is no longer living. Yes, that is correct. In fact, he died in 1774. Yeah, are, you, are you curious as to why I bring up Francois Quesnay? Uh, yeah, it's not a normal conversation, so it's... Mm -hmm. Seems mm -hmm. interesting that 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 you would bring up that uh, mm -hmm. ob obscure person today. He's a uh, very very famous economist and physician and physicist who made tremendous contributions to those things, and his name is borrowed by uh, the company of our guest today. Oh, that makes so much sense. Oh, Jen Byrne, the co-founder and CEO of Kesney is with us today. I always enjoy getting to visit with her. Uh, we've actually been able to speak with her before this on a, on a pre-call, and she is a delight. We will uh, hopefully today get to learn all about uh, the company and what she does, but I'm very interested in hearing about uh, what she's doing in the world of female founders. Yeah. Uh, she is, she's a big wig there, and she's uh, really making a change and, and pushing uh, for female founders uh, in our in our industry. She is not only running a company that's very helpful to many other companies who are in the process of uh, implementing innovation, doing innovation, creating innovation, uh, and implementing new technologies to support that in their companies. She's also a doer in the world of helping female founders to find their place and support in the insure tech, fintech, and mobility world, and which is quite an accomplishment. Right. And, uh, and, and we'll hear all about that today. 
Yeah, I'm a big fan of hers. I'm excited to uh, to hop into this one and and visit with her. Okay, so then without further ado, let's go right into our interview with Jennifer Byrne, Jen Byrne from Kesney. Hey, everybody, we're here with our guest today, a very special guest coming to us from New York City, New York. Jennifer Byrne, Jen Byrne from Kesney. How are you doing, Jen? Welcome, Jen. Thank you. Great to be on the show with you both. And uh, thanks for inviting me. Well, it's, uh, we're, we're, we're thrilled to have you. Um, we've heard a, a lot about the work that you do and have seen and been exposed to some of the work that you do. And so we, we thought that you would be a great guest for our audience to hear from and about. So why don't, why don't we start with that? giving us a minute or two on KESNE and what KESNE is and what you guys do. Sure. Well, um, I think first I have to thank uh, A.M. Best and Kate Smith specifically for uh, being the catalyst for us meeting because she uh, wrote a cover story about uh, female founders and the impact of diversity and insurance. And I'm very fortunate to be the third of the trio of women on the cover. Um, so I understand Kate Terry and Carrie Anando have been on the show. So it's great to be yes. to round out the trio. That's 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 correct. You you were the holdout. You you were the toughest <laughs> negotiation. <laughs> That's true. We were. We had stumbled upon uh, the article and we saw it and we said, we have to have her. She has to be on. And you were nice enough to to come on and visit with us today. So we thank you for that. Excellent. Well, um, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about Kesne and um, we'll, we'll kind of take it from there. So um, I uh, co-founded the company about seven years ago to help large corporations accelerate innovation by working with startups. And the reason we started the company is that uh, my co-founder and I had actually identified a lot of common challenges and and issues, but also opportunities that we saw when we were executives on the corporate side and then when we were on the startup side. And so we thought, could we build a company that really helps bridge the gap and creates efficient methodologies, processes, and thought leadership that would allow those two worlds to work more uh, in, a, in a more aligned uh, way and, and drive change. So fast forward, um, we run innovation competitions as well as events and also uh, partnership strategy projects, all of which are really uh, meant to help insurers and reinsurers identify, evaluate, and partner with really great, talented startups. Wow. So you, you said competitions, right? Yes, exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what I'm picturing there. Yeah. An innovation competition has probably a few different definitions. Um, for us, it's a three month process starting with uh, a problem statement. So how might we, uh, innovate within the customer experience within the insurance industry, or we start with a problem statement. And from there we, devise a, a, an applicant recruitment strategy and marketing plan that will very uh, targeted on a targeted basis uh, solicit applications from startups to apply to address that challenge. And from there, we then tap into our network of uh, multiple hundreds of talented experts that we refer to as judges, 
who have the opportunity to score, rate, and rank the submissions online according to the scoring rubric that we've established. And then from there, we will often do a mentor mapping exercise with the top five finalists that have been selected. We will pair those finalist entrepreneurs with mentors who can really coach them on areas scaling up, how to raise funding, uh, regulatory issues, uh, managerial um, suggestions. And then ultimately, at the end of the innovation competition, we produce uh, a live in-person event where we bring all the stakeholders together and a live panel of five judges gets to decide who the top three winners are in front of a live audience. And in the case of uh, insurance, we uh, very proudly run something called Female Founders and InsureTech, and that final round event is hosted at InsureTech Connect in Las Vegas every year. Cool, and that's that's what was on the the, the cover of the magazine. Exactly. Was allu- was alluding to that. So, like some accelerators, do you end up uh, investing in some of the startups who come through your competition? We are asked that quite often. Um, we do not. Uh, we do not currently invest in startups or uh, take equity. Our um, our business foundation is that we work with corporate leaders and sponsors to uh, fund these programs, and ultimately, we hope. Uh, drive results by uh, having the corporate sponsors identify startups with whom they can work. And we've seen some really great outcomes where our our sponsors, having never even seen some of these startups, have ended up investing in and or partnering uh, with these entrepreneurs. So it's been really fantastic to see when that really comes together at the end of a program. So um, obviously the competitions are one big uh leg under your table, if you will. Tell, tell us about what else you guys do and, and what else Kisney uh, is known for. Yeah, the other thing we do is run individual events uh, in cities like New York and in Mountain View, Las Vegas, London, D.C. And at these events, what we try to do is generate really interesting dialogue, debate, and content coming from both the corporate side of innovation as well as the entrepreneurs to give both parts of the ecosystem a voice and those events um, are growing uh, year by year and we've run events on topics such as AI and diversity and insurance and what is the impact and that we hosted in New York and that was fantastic. Um, so events have been a great way to really bring the ecosystem together and in addition we run a partnership strategy projects in a case where a client might Uh, share a problem statement or a challenge they're having um, with innovation in a particular product area. And we will create a partner sourcing playbook and strategy that helps them identify the right set of partners with whom they can experiment and and pilot uh, potential new products and services. So um, that's a more internal, not internal, but more, uh, I would say, confidential in nature versus uh, these public-facing innovation competitions. So that's a big distinction between the two. So can you give us a... um an example or a real life example, you don't have to use anyone's name of, uh, uh, of how you might function in that digital partnership strategy space, like a case study. A little case study. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, one example is that a, um, a financial institution was describing the fact that they wanted to innovate, but were really focused on investing on the core and were looking for partners to help really develop new customer experiences and identify new tools and methodologies to help their team understand how to partner with whom and what are the desired outcomes. And so in that instance, we understood the business objectives and wrote a what we call a partner playbook that would allow them to not only identify partners, but then to be able to run that process on their own after we uh, sort of teach them how to fish and provide the playbook. Uh, we go fishing together once and then we turn it over to the client so that they can really run with it from there. So in some cases, it's really writing the process. In other cases, it's actually doing the fishing and finding the right partners based on their uh, problem statement. So that's really neat. So you're not necessarily giving them the partners or who they need to go interview, but maybe uh, giving them the roadmap that they need to follow, who they need to visit with or, you know, questions they could ask, maybe processes or even reporting. Is that, you know, outcomes of pilots? Is, is that kind of what, what, what we're looking at there? Yeah, in some cases, they'll run the process after we've put this playbook together, while in others, we might stay involved and help them actually go source those partners. It's not easy when you're a large uh, insurer or financial institution where you've got a lot of innovation coming at you and you really need a repeatable, efficient process that aligns all mm -hmm. the internal parties so that you're evaluating the opportunities with the same kind of score sheet. And um, I think what, what's happened with so much buzz in Silicon Valley and certain hubs, there's a tendency for large corporations to just run to the West Coast, take a look at a cool handful of cool startups, um, and then come back super excited. But that's not really a strategy uh, for longer term. So we try to be a little bit more proactive and say, well, what, what are the top five problems that we really want to solve? Let's go source partners in those areas with the right stage of maturity. Uh, seed stage companies sure. are quite difficult for large institutions to work with. And so we're, we're mindful of the, the parameters and just the realities of making sure administratively, operationally, and just even legally that there's an opportunity there. Right. That they're really actually a company there. So you work with later stage startups is typically? Yeah, more so I would say series A and later seem to be the most um, appropriate fit for a lot of our clients and sponsors. And they're startups that have at least proven market fit. Right. They may have some customers, may have some revenue, and they've sort of kicked the tires a little bit enough where they're prepared to take on the rigor and the requirements of a, a corporate partner or client. So I know that you guys work in uh, fintech, insurtech, and, and mobile, which is really cool. And I want to talk about mobile in a second. But uh, you said that you're you know seven or eight years old. So you've had a seat and being involved in, in this world, in the startup world, you've kind of had a seat at watching the whole insure tech phenomena develop. Is that correct? You've been around since before it was called insure tech. Uh, what, what, what's that been like? I'm sure it's been very interesting in its own right. Yeah, it has been. Um, I started in the mobile industry pretty early on. And so to see innovation and disruption happen in telecom, see it happen in the media sector, and then see the same kind of trends happen within banking and finance, it's 
fascinating to see that the same challenges and opportunities are surfacing in insurance and then taking it one step further also in mobility, which is now the new term for sort of next gen uh, automotive and connected vehicles and moving things and moving people. So the term mobility has now taken on a new definition, but it is all about connecting things and and connecting people. Uh, Now they're just mobile. Um, And so we see a lot of the same challenges where there's a lot of great startups out there, a lot of great technology, but how as a corporate leader do you choose whom to work with through what evaluation process and where do you where do you place capital and where do you invest? And so see a lot of the same uh, threads and challenges sure. across the years. It's super interesting. Sure. B- business is business. The, the products that they're dealing with might be different and unique and have their own special uh, problems that are associated with them. But the process of moving forward, innovating and, and finding the right technologies to enable the innovation is, is common across industries. Wouldn't you say? I mean, because when I think about insurtech and fintech, they're I would say re- closely related in the grand scheme of the world. Whereas mobility is mobility is a, kind of a different animal than fintech and insurtech. Yes, there are financial market, financial industry, and the insurance industry. I think they have uh, common challenges and opportunities in that um, these are heavily regulated sectors. There is a need to partner more than ever. Whereas many years ago, banks controlled the customer experience and built everything in-house. Same with the telco, same with automotive, same with insurance. And so the common theme there is what is what remains core? Where should we continue to invest uh, our time in the in-house building versus where should we partner? I think the insurance industry is quite complicated, obviously, from a regulatory standpoint. But I think um, the the word partner is coming up more frequently, which is really, um, to us, makes a lot of sense. Where are companies looking uh, to, to outsource? So I guess I should say, what are what are companies trying to to innovate? Are they looking to innovate their their customer relationships? Are they looking to innovate new technologies? Uh, or, you know, internal systems? What are they coming to you for? Some of it is customer experience, communicating the right value proposition to the right customer segment. Another common theme that I think we're seeing across automotive finance and insurance is you, you can't talk to the entire customer base in the same way with the same value proposition. So, Customer experience, personalized services or policies or offerings are becoming more and more interesting. There's also, we're seeing a lot of interesting startups, for example, that are appearing in categories like cyber and SMB and even pet insurance, not just, you know, PNC and and, um, auto per se, but we're starting to see more and more interesting solutions in those other areas within insurance. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot about... Pet insurance. I mean, maybe I read coverage or too much. What's with pet insurance? It's like blowing up. I saw that nationwide is all over pet insurance. Can you exp- can you explain that? I mean, I guess it's obviously it's underserved, but I mean, I have a dog, but yeah, I think it's a multi billion dollar market, um, and these are it's a new new generation of individuals that are um, interested in 
insuring and taking care of their pets in the same way they might almost a family member. So definitely uh, interesting, yeah. um, interesting solutions we're seeing there. The, the good part is that there's a lot of venture capital available now that is also being made, which is really helping drive innovators who have great ideas in any one of these areas. So that that's makes 2020 pretty interesting. Let's talk about that for a second, venture capital. We've had We've had some venture capitalists on and some corporate venture capital on. You, you guys must be involved with that com- that community and that part of the ecosystem, yes? We are, yeah. They play a very important role. Um, we have investor relationships, uh, investors that will participate, for example, as judges in our innovation competitions, or in other cases, they'll raise their hand and say, I'm happy to mentor um, one of your female founders. So they play a really important role. And they also and really do value the quote unquote, kind of deal flow or pipeline that we're creating by running all of these innovation competitions. So when we run each one of these programs, we're identifying an industry problem, we're sourcing startups from around the world, Um, We now reach about 61 countries. And because we have a crowdsourced judging model, the outcome of that process is very interesting. So we have a lens that we're uh, through which we're evaluating startups that is quite different from a traditional investor. And so I think they find that Mm -hmm. uh, the results of our programs are quite interesting. For for us from the outside looking in, I mean, we're involved in, in the ecosystem as users of products either because our customers who are typically insurance carriers are using them and want us to use them or we're using them to help enable our own processes internally at our company. But um, venture capitalists and venture capital is really critical to this whole insure tech movement and world that's being built. Does that... And, and I've had a friend of mine who's a very smart guy say that he's a little bit concerned about an insure tech bubble. How do you feel about that? What are your thoughts on maybe that the venture community is overfeeding the insure tech world? I don't see that yet, um, in part because one of the things that we were going to talk about on the show, which is our female founders insure tech program, what I see is hundreds of highly talented women who are running InsureTechs who all need funding. And they have an incredible acumen, problem they're solving, focus, diligence, and very thoughtful way that they'll deploy that that capital. So we see demand for more capital within the hundreds of InsureTechs and FinTechs that we see. So if there's a problem and that's been validated, then I think an investor should take a look at it. If it's a technology trying to find a problem, then maybe not. But I think from what at least we see through our innovation competitions, there's a lot of talented startups worthy of investment. Let's go ahead and turn our focus to female founders for a few minutes. Tell us how you how you got involved in female founders, how the whole thing give us give us the startup story there. Yeah, so um, because we have been running global innovation competitions for a number of years, and we were seeing this pattern that regardless of the topic of the innovation competition, about 90% or so of the startups that applied were uh, run by men. And we started to ask ourselves in 2017, 
well, there have to be women running companies or starting companies out there. Um, so why don't we start a dedicated innovation competition called Female Founders to specifically invite women-led fintechs and insurtechs to apply? And sure enough, um, it, it worked very well. Um, we specifically chose finance and insurance because of the lack of um, diversity, but at the same time, we were seeing the disruption and innovation happening and looking at the fact that in insurance in particular, I mean, 60% of the general workforce is, is female, mm-hmm. um, and yet at the corporate level, only 12% gets to that sort of C-level or, or, or even fewer. And then at the board level, it's, it's even lower. So we were looking at a sector where there's opportunity, uh, there's innovation, there's a lack of diversity, and yet um, there's a whole entrepreneurial ecosystem out there that happens to also include women. And so from 2017, and now we're entering year four, um, we have been running female founders and InsureTech separate from female founders in fintech because we saw such demand um, to see more diverse startups that bring diverse problem solving, diverse ideas. And so uh, we're uh, very grateful to have had an incredible number of sponsors and partners that have been backing these two programs since 2017. You know, before this podcast, we were talking about this and you had given me a figure uh, about how much was actually being invested in companies run by uh, female founders is that is that something you actually uh, you know happen to to remember? Yeah, it was two point two percent of venture capital money is currently allocated to women led uh, startups, and just uh, yesterday, Crunch based um, delivered a report stating that in 2019, the number is at 3%. Why is it so low? You know, is it, you know, I, I guess I'm just thinking here, are there, are there not as many or is there actual bias? You know, what, what do you think here? Um, based on what we hear from the community and see, it it's uh, a couple of things. One is that investors tend to invest in ideas and things and people that they can relate to. And so a okay. lot of the female founders have communicated that to us, that they just haven't had that relationship or that um, comfort level or, um, or the network um, to get access to those investors. And part of what we try to do with our program is to invite investors to participate in these programs and events. And the other piece is that Without an advisory board and a set of mentors, it's also difficult to raise money and and to really scale. And so another impeding factor that we uh, hear about and read about is that 48% of women entrepreneurs cite the lack of mentorship as one of the reasons why they don't move to the next level. And so a big part of what we do with our innovation programs and what our corporate sponsors really do get involved in are, are being mentors. And it's been fantastic to see that. So I do think that uh, there's a, I think, a positive trend. Granted, 22 to 3% is not a, a big leap. But I think there's an awareness, there's an interest that diverse thinking does yield better outcomes. And there are more and more statistics coming out that show women uh, return a higher uh, rate of investment than male counterparts and that 
couple of reports like that are coming out. So it's not just hearsay, it's actually quantifiable metrics that are driving business outcomes. Wow. So that there is a report out there that is showing that women founder led companies are generating more revenue. Is that is that what you just said? Yeah, BCG, I believe it was a report that they um, wrote that said over a five-year period, startups co-founded by women will outperform their male counterparts. So they'll generate 10% more revenue in that same five-year period. So that's interesting. And then I believe that there was also a, um, a McKinsey report as well, uh, citing the fact that the more diverse executive teams will outperform non-diverse teams. So when you start to see some of these metrics, it's really not about just doing good, but it's actually by also driving financial performance. It makes sense to invite diverse uh, founders and thinking to any institution um, and, and to you know, ideally accelerate innovation. So is it just a little harder for a female entrepreneur to get started because that there there kind of isn't this pre-built mechanism of support and mentorship there for them to just naturally tap into it's something they don't have that advantage yeah i think the network isn't there out of the gate and so what women founders have ended up doing is saying well if there's only 2.2 percent chance of me raising venture capital i'm going to go finance my company through friends and family Mm -hmm. crowdfunding platforms angels and but i think now that those who control the venture dollars now that the complexion and the gender is starting to change on that side of the table. I think we're going to also see some really, I think, positive news in the years ahead. So in the last year, I believe there have been about five to 10 funds that are backed by women that are investing in women or diverse founders. So there are great VC firms like Backstage Capital and Female Founders Fund, Cowboy Ventures. There's, um, uh, BBG Ventures, Canvas Ventures. So I think also those who control the venture dollars is shifting. And so hopefully that'll make become more available to more diverse founders. I also think that awareness is, is so important. You know, continually talking about uh, the issues that are out there. And it sounds like that's what you're doing in a way with this competition. You're letting it be known that this is happening and having this whole competition where you invite everybody to be a part. Uh, Awareness is so important in this day and age, I think. I think it's actually a really great point. And it may seem like we're stating the obvious, but it's very true. So when we first started Female Founders in FinTech and InsureTech, the question I was asked by a lot of uh, male investors and potential sponsors was, can I be involved? Am I allowed to be involved? <laughs> and I said, absolutely, because that's part of what we want to change here. So it's about inclusion, not creating another siloed uh, women-led program. Um, that really is not going to, I think, really change the landscape. And so we're delighted that we have over 50% of our uh, programs have uh, judges and mentors, 50-50, male, female. You'll see that on our judging panel at ITC, at our events. We really um, think that there are a lot of individuals, men raising their hand and saying, how can I be involved? How can I better understand the challenges? So it's really been um, nice to see over the last couple of years. Yeah, I can see how it's a little bit of an infrastructure problem. That that infrastructure just hasn't been there. Mm-hmm. Do you know Ted Stuckey from QBE Ventures? 
Of course, yes. T- uh, Ted is actively involved in our program, and uh, QBE was one of our very first sponsors. Right, and there's uh, an example of a of a man who was who's excited and willing and and able and in a position as well to be an, a change agent or to help in in whatever way possible, and who wants to. But I think for a lot of men, you know, we just didn't know how to get him how to get involved or how to how to start so it's good to see that you have that kind of uptake with men i think that my my personal sense is and i think i speak for lee too is is our willingness is 100 percent there it just wasn't built before yeah and i think as we create more and more ways to kind of activate people to get uh diverse thinkers involved um i think there'll just be more engagement overall. So whether you're a mentor, you're a judge, or for example, we invite experts to conduct uh, educational webinars to share best practices on how to raise funding in Silicon Valley. Or another example is one of our insurance partners did an amazing job delivering sort of a property and casualty 101 things to think about if you're an insure tech. And actually that was delivered by QBE and they were fantastic. You have, um, you know, folks at, um, you know, RGAX, for example, the CEO wrote um, a blog post about why they're involved in the program. So that's really communicating involvement and hopefully setting a standard for even the, uh, the rest of the employees to say, we're taking action, we're getting involved, we're writing about it, we're supporting entrepreneurs that um, uh, come from diverse backgrounds. So I think it's a range of probably activities, events, innovation competitions like what we do, um, maybe showing thought leadership right. um, for your employees as well as externally. I think that um, can set the right tone as well. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, what can we do to make the change? What can we do to make sure that we're being fair to all? And I, I'm sitting here thinking, what can I do personally? Is it always have the open mind? Is it to uh, make people aware of situations? You know, do, do, do you have anything that, that you think that we could actually do uh, today in our lives? I'm speaking to everybody as our audience, you know, what can we do uh, to really make this a fair world for all? I think it is um, getting involved, getting involved in not only our programs, but local events, um, leadership groups, starting from within. It's being a mentor. It's also um, advocating for programs. So using your network and your voice and your audience to talk about, you know, female founders in InsureTech, for example, Um, because media and communications and press can really also make a big difference for women founders. Just from the AM Best cover story, um, the founders obtained some very interesting inbound interest from investors Mm -hmm. and other folks that now know about them. So I think visibility, just even that alone, I think is very, very helpful to not only our, our top five finalists or our winners, but really keeping an eye on who's out raising money and how can we introduce them to those with uh, venture capital dollars and and can support them. So it's network, it's introductions, it's uh, media exposure, um, all of the above. Well, I I appreciate you doing that. And I appreciate you uh, having this competition and everything because I I have a daughter and she's seven. And uh, I often think about what the world is going to be like when it's time for her. 
In fact, I was talking to her last night and I said, what do you want to do whenever uh, you grow up? And she goes, well, I want to be a soccer player. I said, great. She says, or a veterinarian uh, or whatever you do, dad. I don't know what that is. And it, you know, I'm sitting here thinking like, how, how do we make the world great? So when my daughter is ready to go, she has uh, fairness in the world. She has the opportunities that she deserves. And, um, I'm going to do it. We're going to keep talking about it. We're going to keep making it aware and we're going to try to put some action into it. So yeah, I appreciate you having the, the, the competition and, and making it aware to everybody. No, it's, it's definitely rewarding to see progress and see our applicants, our entrepreneurs in 2017 move on to receive additional awards, obtain funding, get accepted into multiple accelerators. So we continue to track and support all of our entrepreneurs, whether they're finalists, winner, or just, you know, didn't make it to the top 10. It's okay. They're all rock stars. And so we continue to connect them to investors, mentors, um, would be happy to, you know, send some additional uh, amazing entrepreneurs your way. Maybe they could also join the show at some point. Would, uh, would really like that. Thank you. Talk about that. And I think it's just elevating visibility for those that have succeeded as well to show younger women, perhaps like your daughter, that yes, you can be a veterinarian. You can also be CEO of an insurance company. Um, you can also run a country. You can do whatever you want. And I. I have to right. I have to share one um, interesting note, and it's a little bit of a a television show spoiler. So I have to say like spoiler alert. <laughs> but um, when I was watching uh, The Crown uh, recently, I was watching on Netflix The Crown episode five of the current season, and it was remarkable because the dialogue that Queen Elizabeth um, was communicating was that. To be innovative, um, we really need to look outside of our, our, our borders. We've got to go look at the U.S. We have to go look at France and see how they are looking at um, breeding horses. They're way ahead of us. So we really got to think differently. Right. And it's just so interesting because, you know, here she was <laughs> um, thinking, how do I innovate? And she's running a country. Right. And the, the funny part of that whole a combination of sequences in that episode is that the place that she went to in France is called Kesney. <laughs> a shout out on the crown. Oh, wow. Not bad. <laughs> so it was, it was really fun to see that it was, you know, woman leader innovating, thinking differently, going outside the, the borders of her country and going to a place in France called Kesney. So it was um, a really interesting, uh, I guess, uh, parallel to what we're doing. Yeah, you know, it's funny watching that, and I'm a big fan of that show myself. My wife and I watch it, and um, it, one of the things that comes out from that is, I mean, she's she's a a remarkable, amazing woman. I like her or not, or not, respect her or not, you can't help but have admiration for what she's accomplished as a woman at the top of her kingdom for decades and decades and decades in, in a world that, you know, wasn't necessarily comfortable with that for a really long time. And, um, uh, you know, I, I know that th these are some of the same challenges that, that female founders face, you know, in their own time. But I think that we can all agree at least that there's some steps forward in breaking down the boundaries and the borders that artificially existed in the past.
with that in mind, I want to ask you a question about the future. So you've seen, I mean, obviously you've not only seen things change, you're, you're a part of actively trying to change things. If you look out a few years into the future in the world that you work in, the, the accelerator world, the startup world, the female founder world, what, what do you see out there? What, where do you think this is all going and heading? Are you feeling good about the future? How do you see it? Yeah, I think we're finally starting to see change and change in the way that um, now funding is more available. It's it's led by uh, diverse thought leaders. Um, There's an incredible amount of support in our program from corporate leaders. And so I'm, I'm very positive about the future. I do think it's taking longer than we thought and it's a slower process. But my hope and expectation is that within... Maybe five years, we no longer have to run a program called Female Founders. That is just... Wow, there you go. <laughs> we're just running a program to solve really interesting challenges in, in the insurance industry. There you go. That is just founders. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. You know, one of the people that got all this tr- triangle going with you and Kate Terry was Carrie Ann Nadeau. And uh, was she's involved in your program, isn't she? She is, yeah. She's been a, a wonderful advocate and has been involved um, early on, and not only insurance but also mobility. Yeah, and we like to uh, always say about Carrie Ann Nadeau that uh, we have one episode that has an explicit um, tag on it, and that's Carrie Ann <laughs> Carrie Ann Nadeau's. That's for you, Carrie. That's, that's for you. Thanks, Carrie. We love that. Yep. We could have taken it out, but we left it in because we'll always because it's always you. remember that. So, um, anyways, listen. Yeah. We we thank you so much, and for the audience at home, you don't know the kind of technical problems we had getting this episode to work, but apparently we finally bridged it. And we thank you so much, Jen, for your patience and professionalism yes, as we worked you. through those problems. And um, it was terrific to learn about your company and what you're up to. And um, I'll speak on behalf of Lee and myself that we'd love to be involved in your, your one of your competitions. We'll be at InsureTech next year. Yes. So keep that in mind. If we can be of any help or assistance, we'd love to be part of your program. Excellent. Yeah. Maybe we can uh, even put together a segment at ITC uh, in uh, September. That'd be beautiful. So we'll, we'll have to that. So I appreciate that very much. And thank you again Wonderful. for allowing me to be on the show and talk about what we're doing at Kesne and then we're specifically about helping female founders. So really appreciate it. And because Kesne is not easy to say or spell, why don't you just tell our audience where, if they want to reach out and uh, contact you, how they do that? Uh, sure. It's um, J Burn, B Y R N E, at Kesnays, Q-U-E-S-N-A-Y-S dot com. Great. Thanks again. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. You know, Lee, we didn't even really know what accelerators were before we started. Yeah. Other than big ones like uh, Y Combinator, for example. Mm -hmm. But what an interesting little marketplace and a really important piece of the ecosystem. And once again, hearing from Jen shows us uh, the importance of, of these and the, and the utility of, of accelerators. I agree. I, I was very interested in what they do as a company whenever they can create these strategic plans or they can hold these competitions. It's all about 
uh, helping the these large companies find the right niche. I think that's a neat thing. And I think that's a really neat business plan. And I'm all about that. I think that's wonderful. What I really enjoyed talking to her today about was the uh, female founders mm-hmm. and uh, and what she's doing there with the competitions and, and just really the um, awareness, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about that, just the awareness of uh, issues that are out there and bringing them uh, to light. Yeah. I thought your story about your daughter was uh, not only terrific, it was moving. I mean, you want your your daughter to have every opportunity. Right. Right. My, uh, you know, I didn't say this on there, but it was a couple of weeks ago. I, once again, I asked her, I said, what do you, what do you want to do whenever you grow up? And she said, I want to be the president. And my wife said, that's wonderful. There's never been a female president. She goes, well, I can do it. I'm pretty good. I said, you sure can. You go out there, you study hard, you, you, you do everything you can, you know, building her up. You know, I want to believe that one day she will have the opportunities. Mm-hmm. Well, if she's anything like her mother, she can do it. She can do it. Okay. That's right. We thank Jen Byrne so much for being with us. And now we've had all three uh, people on the famous cover um, from Female Founders. And we thank Carrie Ann Nadeau and Kate Terry for making this happen. And we look forward to our next episode of FNO InsureTech. And thank you for being with us and for subscribing. And we'll get out of here and out of your hair by saying goodbye, everybody. <laughs>